Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 119. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Well, I'm glad to be back in Thailand in the studio again after a two-month-long trip to visit friends and family and partners uh, across the U.S. and had a great time there. Got to see a lot of people and got a lot of encouragement about the podcast. Had different people tell me uh, about how it feeds them and uh, how, as a leader, they're able to see some things in God's Word that they can use, and that felt really, really great. So. Thanks. Thanks for the feedback. I appreciate it when you post feedback to iTunes, and uh, you know that actually helps a lot because not only does it encourage me and the team that works with me to produce the podcast, but also there are others that read it and then they tune in. So thanks again. Today we are in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20, talking about unusual miracles. It's a really cool passage. Uh, it's got a, a little humor segment in it, and uh, but it's an exciting part of learning how to be a leader in the kingdom of God, because we're not just leading an organization, we are a part of leadership in the body of Christ and the moving kingdom of God as it expands nation by nation, and that involves supernatural things because it's the kingdom of God, it's not just the kingdom of man and not just the organized church. I mean, if that's all this is, I'm out. Uh, I, I, am, I have given my whole life to this service, and uh, it's been a wonderful life, but I've done it because I have the conscious awareness that I'm working with God. I'm doing work with God, and He is an active partner, not just a clock winder kind of God who, you know, winds the universe up and then walks off and leaves it and watches it just tick away. Uh, The things I've done, I feel I've been led by God to do them. He has helped me all along the way to do them, and that's kind of what this story is about. It's Paul doing what God has told him to do, and God showing up and doing miracles, and there are lots of kinds of miracles. So let's just jump in to verse 11. It says, now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So let's just start with that. You know, there's some things that we learn here about ministering in a way that involves the supernatural. You know, we all know how to study and then how to become a better communicator, and how to organize your words, and how to teach systematically. You know, those are all completely human things that we could do all by ourselves. You know, that's a man thing. But there's the God thing. There's the God part of this, and that's really what we want to talk about today, is being open to the God part of ministry. And and watching it happen because, you know, this is, again, God's work, and it has to be done in a dance with the Lord through the Holy Spirit. We, and if you're not careful, I know I've had to fight this in my own life. If you're not careful, you know, we take charge of this thing, and we work it to death, and we make all kind of, you know, gimmicky ways 
to succeed, and this is going on all over the world in the body of Christ, and people go to conferences to learn the new great ways, and it's, well, you know, they're man ways. But the, the body of Christ has spread across the world because the Holy Spirit has been active, and so we need to be real careful that on the one hand, while we try to, you know, continue to improve our skill set about music and all that, we also uh, are being very, very, very sensitive to be open to the Holy Spirit and to walk with God, you know, to, to go where God says to go, do what the Lord says do, and stay there as long as the Lord wants us there and see amazing things happen that we could never have done on our own. And so that's what's happening here. Paul has gone into Asia, he has obeyed the Holy Spirit, and he's gone to a place where others have not gone. He's not staying around the campfire with uh, all the other Christians back in uh, Israel, who's, some of whom were just very, very happy to have church every day with each other and really didn't see the need for going so far away. And actually, I've, I heard that even on this trip. Had people say, well, I just think missions ought to stay close to home. And it's, well, that's the whole point of missions. I mean, we're supposed to do ministry everywhere. But mission is outreach. It means you go where people aren't being reached. You, you get out. You go far. And Paul did that. He obeyed. He went to, to Asia Minor, and he's, he's moving away from the Middle East, and he's gotten up into uh, Ephesus. He's into Turkey, and he's bringing the gospel, and he's hit this. You know, it's like he struck oil, and he's in Ephesus, and it's a, it's a thought center. It's a commercial center. It's a modern thinking city, and he's got a mix, you know, of all kinds of people there, and all of a sudden, he has a breakthrough. And so Paul stays there. You know, he hunkers down, and for, for two years, he is there. He's working it every day. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's counseling. He's training leaders. He's, he's doing everything that he can do, and then God begins to do things Paul can't do. So let's look through how the miracle side of this works. Look at verse 11. This is where it starts. It says, now God worked, period. We can just stop with that. You know, supernatural activity is a sign of involvement by supernatural beings. This isn't just, you know, good medical care. God began to do miracles, and no, you know, no human can work miracles in themselves, no matter how pious they are. God worked. That's what verse 11 says. This is God's involvement. Supernaturally, God is being involved in Paul's work. And, you know, this takes me back to all of the Great Commission passages. And the one that I love is Mark chapter 16. And, uh, you know, it says... Verse 15 and 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Those who do not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then look down at verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. God does his work. You know, Jesus said, lo, I am with you 
always, even after you know he has told them to go do this kind of work, he says, miracles are going to come when you do your part. God will show up and verify your work. Look, I am with you always. You know, God desires to work, and God will work in response to our faith. So it's important not to shut the door on the supernatural work of God. I cannot imagine uh, building a doctrine that says God doesn't do miracles anymore. Like, what kind of crazy doctrine is that? That's not true to anything in the Scriptures, and it's not true to what's going on around the world. God is working, and He began to work. And you know, I love this expression in verse 11 of Acts chapter 19. You know, they're so used to God doing the miraculous that in this case they say, God worked unusual miracles. Well, I mean, a miracle already is pretty unusual. And He says, yeah, well, you know, there's miracles, and then there's these unusual miracles. They're just strange things. It doesn't fit the normal rule, you know, like when um, Jesus spit in the dirt and rubs mud in people's eyes. It's just, that's strange. That one's different. And in this case, it says God worked. He worked unusual miracles. And here's our second point. Yes, God worked, but God worked by the hands of Paul. Verse 11, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And that takes us to the whole premise for the book of Acts. And that is found in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. Not just the apostles, not just church leaders. You, average Christian, shall receive power. Power for what? Power for witness. Read it. He says you take this gospel, you spread it around, and you shall receive power. And not just power. I mean, power is awesome. You shall receive authority to use this power. Jesus told us when he came back from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so Jesus comes and he gives not only power to his people, but he gives authority to his people. We have authority in the heavenly realms We have authority over demon spirits. We have authority over the curse. We have authority over all darkness. And we have authority in the physical world, in heaven and on earth. We have authority in the physical world. Jesus cursed fevers, and they left. He told demons to leave, and they left. He cursed a fig tree, and it died. Jesus turned to Peter and said, if you only understood, you could move a whole mountain if you just understood this principle, power and authority. And Peter has had, you know, he's had his glimmers also where Peter's in the boat and he says, Lord, tell me to walk to you. And he understands, I mean, this is a physical thing. He's going to walk on water, but Peter knows this is possible. I've seen Jesus do all kinds of strange things. It's a supernatural walk. And so, yes, God does the work, but God did the work by the hands of Paul. And you got to get used to that, and you got to get up for it, and you have to trust God to use you. Okay, question. Will God, you know, will it work every single time? Will I ever have a time that I might be embarrassed because I, you know, I step out on limb and I try something and it doesn't work? Well, to be honest, I'd have to say, yes, that is probably going to happen to you. 
But don't let that keep you from working in the supernatural. I mean, every single patient of every single doctor in the world is going to die. They're not going to get better. Finally, they are going to die. And yet doctors show up every day and they do what they can to sustain life a little bit longer and help people get over this illness and that illness. And they know that in the end, they're going to you know, see every, every patient. If they lived long enough and patients kept coming, they would see every one of them go into the grave. It doesn't mean we don't need doctors, and it doesn't need, mean that we don't need miracle workers. Jesus has given authority to the church. And let me say this, I believe, like all the other gifts, you're going to grow in your success as you practice your gift more. So it's important to give God a space and because he wants to show up. I can remember as a pastor, you know, you get the Sunday service going, and you got so many things you're trying to cram into it. And so we had the, uh, there's the announcement, and you want to preach, and you want a lot of worship, and you got to welcome the visitors and all the different stuff. And then I just realized that we were rushing through praying for the sick. And I thought, well, you know, I believe the Lord was telling me, I will show up if you'll make space for me. So we started using it, and I didn't, I didn't want to do it on the side. I didn't want to say, you know, go to the secret room in the back of church if you're sick. I want everybody there to give glory to God and to see what God does. So, you know, the way we did it was we'd get into our worship, and then toward the end of worship, while faith is high, we just said, let's just keep worshiping, and whoever's got needs, come on down. And God did things. We made space for him. And he did his work week by week. you got to give God a place to show up, and he will work special miracles. And you'll learn to be used by God uh, in the miraculous as much as you're used by God in the normal human parts of ministry, teaching, preaching, loving people, responding to uh, physical needs. God did the work. God did the work, though, through Paul's hands. But in this case, he did the work in a very unusual way. Sometimes you come into a special season, or maybe it's even a physical place. That I don't understand that part, but I, I know that it's true. Um, a special place where God intends to do a certain work. If you remember in the ministry of Jesus, you know it says that uh, he was in a certain place, and it said, and the presence of God was there to heal. And so Jesus recognized that for some reason... God was pleased in that place, in that town, on that day, to really stir up healing power. And so he stopped what he was doing, and he focused his energy in that city on healing people. And so a great number of miracles came out. Well, in this case, Paul is in Ephesus. This is the new center for Gentile outreach all through Asia Minor, and God was eager to work in this town. And so, you know, Paul is, is understanding that this is an unusual situation. It's like a, a surge tide. And this town is not just another town. It's a headquarters. It's a, a wellspring of ministry that will go out in all different directions. And when you're in one of those circumstances, you need to push boldly and you need to be active in times like those. Um, again, I've told this story, and forgive me if you've heard it too many times, but when God called Sherry and me to go to the Philippines, it was 1990. We had no idea what was going on in the Philippines. 
except that it was great political upheaval and the government was being overthrown and Marcos had fled, but the new government kept being overthrown also and there were communist uh, assassination groups in the street and people were being killed. It was a mess. Electricity was gone 12 hours a day. But what I didn't know was that there was a tremendous move of God in that nation and that a new church was being planted every eight hours when we got there. But I noticed that the newspapers had articles against the born-again people, and I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. And I started finding Bible studies and, and little churches in every place you can imagine except church buildings. And not long into that, uh, we arrived in April, and by November... We, were, we had a solid Bible study in our home, and people were coming to Christ from our neighborhood, almost uh, most of them, I would say at least, with no church background. And so, um, you know, the Lord told us, plant a church. So by December, we had built, we had planted a church. We didn't have a building. We were just in homes, um, and it was amazing. It was so beautiful. And uh, make a long story short, this was a, the Lord opened a door for us in a very upscale neighborhood among a people group that I never, ever thought we'd be ministering to. And so we start reaching out to the upper class in the south side of Metro Manila, and I felt like we were supposed to do uh, what they called a Life in the Spirit seminar, which is like a come and hear teaching about um, the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to pray for people. And so I, we were in a room in the local country club. And so in the morning session, we, we had about 70 people show up. Most of them I didn't, I didn't know. And so a group of us, maybe 10 of us, our whole church had 13 people in it. So about 10 of us were there to minister to them. So you know, I taught about being born again and about being um, repenting from your sin and all that. So uh, we talked about that, and then we prayed to receive the Lord, and then we had lunch together, and we just, you know, that was very casual. And then we came back, and, and it hit me just before we went into lunch that, wow, after lunch, we're going to be praying for people and laying hands, and we're in this glass, um, it's part of a restaurant, you know, we're in this glassed area, and everybody walking by with their golf carts and their you know, they're there to play golf, and they're going to walk by this window, and there's going to be this crazy-looking show inside. So I said, hey, we got to tape some stuff to these windows because I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew the Holy Spirit was present, and God was going to do God's thing. And so we uh, got outside real quick and started taping up uh, things while we were having lunch. One group ran over and started taping up all the windows and uh, went back inside, and I taught about the Holy Spirit and about the move of God and about this being real. And then we said, does anybody here have needs? We'd like to pray for you to have needs. And I'd like to pray for you now that you've received the Lord. We'd like to pray for you that this Holy Spirit baptism will come up within you and you will have the presence of God in you and all the miracle power of God will work through your life too. So they said, you know, okay, that'd be great. And then I realized as I'm calling them to the altar, wow, I totally forgot about music. <laughs> so I've got no background music. I'm in a carpeted room. It's just silent. And all these people who don't know anything about church are standing up and they're all, you know, kind of like in line. And I say, okay, would everybody kind of raise your hands halfway and now close your eyes. And I just want you to talk to God. And I gave them some words to say. And then I said, okay, now you just kind of say in your own words, 
whatever your heart's telling you to say to God, and we're going to lay our hands on you, and we're just going to ask God to, uh, to put his power in you and to come and, you know, all the things. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the whole teaching. But as we're going around and um, we're praying for people, and I thought, man, this room's totally silent. It's just me and uh, my, my other brother, Albert, and so, uh, who's now the pastor of the church. And so me and Albert are just praying for people, and then all of a sudden I heard something go thump. And I heard thump, and I heard thump. And I looked to the right, and there were three people laying on the ground. And then it started to spread, and it moved over to my side of the room. And, as, and it got to where that as I reached out my hand, I could feel it. I could feel it's like two magnets, you know, when, they're, when you turn them the other way, and they resist each other. And it's like as my hand got close, I could feel the resistance. And I didn't, I, most of these people, I didn't even touch them. And, I mean, we didn't have any big system of, of catching and training them about falling. They had not seen this. These weren't church people. But as we're laying hands on them, it just started happening. You know, the point is God shows up. That's all I'm trying to say. God shows up. When you make space and you believe in these things and you start practicing them to the best of your own ability and you stretch yourself, you will grow in supernatural anointing. Sherry and I on this last trip, we went. We were in the states, but I heard that um, our spiritual father, Brother Reed, in Jamaica, was sort of in his last days. And Brother Reed and Sister Reed are just such huge. They've had such a huge influence on both of our lives. So we flew to Jamaica for three days, just so we could go to his bedside. And I especially just wanted to get near him, while he could still hear me. And rather than say nice things at his funeral, I wanted to say it to him as he was, you know, crossing over that river. I wanted to tell him what he had been in my life and what he had been in the lives of others. And uh, so I began to, to speak all this into his life. He's just such a powerful man to me. Country, a country preacher in Jamaica, a quiet, dignified man. But he had a special anointing for calling sinners to come to the Lord. And so, you know, there would be guys that would come along, and they would preach, and then they'd turn it over to Brother Reed, and they'd go sit down. And he just flowed in that moment, you know, of decision-making, whether you're going to stay in your sin or leave it for a new life. And he could just draw you out. It's so powerful. And Sister Reed had, she developed her own ministry of every Wednesday she would fast, and then she would ask others to join, and they'd sing songs, and they'd fast on Wednesday. And in the afternoon, they would pray for anybody who had needs, and she also just had such a massive following. But um, I learned something from watching their ministry, and it's actually, it pops up here in our passage from, from the book of Acts. It's this funny story where it says, with all these big miracles happening with Paul, so that even as he's doing his, uh, his work of making tents and making things with leather, and uh, people come to him for prayer, and sometimes they can't even get there, and Paul is at work, and so he'll just hand them his handkerchief, hold it in his body, and, you know, hold it in his hand, and then hand it to them, and they go and lay the cloth on people, or he would take off his work apron, and he would hand that, and they would run away with it, and they'd lay that on people, and, you know, these miracles start happening. And so people's bodies are being healed. Demons are running out just because of this piece of cloth. And, um, you know, that's so strange. It's so amazing 
but it's an unusual miracle. And Sister Reed had these unusual miracles also. And uh, I would watch people begin to try to copy unusual things that she did. And the same thing's happening here with Paul. You know, he's been doing miracles in an unusual way, and it's stirring up others to sort of copycat what he's doing. And, And they're unique to him. But in verse 13, it says, Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you, we cast you out, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, this must have worked, usually, when they tried it. And so this becomes a practice, and people are starting to mention the Jesus that Paul preaches. Although they don't know Christ, they're not walking with him. They start trying to mimic the miracle thing that Paul does. And uh, verse 14 says, There were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did this. And then they run into, as Jamaicans call it, a stubborn demon. Verse 15, The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You know, it's kind of a funny story of this, these guys who start imitating spiritual things. They're not necessarily called by God to do it. They are mimicking and, and copycatting the miracle thing of other people. You know, like there's even books on how to do miracles. And I was reading this book, and it had this chapter that was called TLT, the leg thing. And it's, you know, it's this whole chapter about stretching people's legs. Now, do I believe that some people have honestly have legs shorter than the other one and it needs, you know, it needs to be healed? Yes, absolutely. I know that happens. And do I believe that there are times when God stretches a leg and makes it grow? Yes, I absolutely believe that. Do I believe that we need a course in the leg thing and that we need people all over the world making people sit in chairs and measuring their leg? No, I do not believe that. Uh, we get into these fads, and I saw Sister Reed, you know, at one time Sister Reed went to somebody's house, and she was praying for this couple, and, um, and she just felt to do a thing, and so she goes in the bathroom and gets a towel and wraps the towel up, has the lady hold this towel and cradle it and rock it, and she's praying for her in tongues, and sure enough, the lady gets pregnant, she's been barren, and, you know, this was God's symbol that I'm going to give you a child. Well, lo and behold, you know, people start running around looking for towels in every house, and they start doing the towel thing. You know what I mean? We just make a show, we make a fad out of all these things that God has done. They're unique things. They're unusual things. And then somebody wants to make it a standardized practice. But you know, counterfeit things only prove the true thing, that there really is an amazing thing out there. There really are miracles they really are unusual miracles. And much can be accomplished by focused, pioneering people in two years of time when they pour their whole heart into a situation and God shows up and brings the miracle side. So in verse 17 says, you know, even the mistakes being made by these other people, this became known to all the Jews and the Greeks in Ephesus and Fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. It was made big. 
And that's what we're really after. You know, th- that's the fruit. That's the goal. And let's move on into the end of this passage. And now we see that these signs bear fruit. You see, the point of the miracle is not the miracle. And we need to understand that. Healing, here's the question. What is the meaning of healing to a terminal generation? Yes, I get healed of my cancer, and then I die of heart disease. I get healed of my heart disease, and I get run over by a bus. I mean, healing is not a solution. It doesn't really solve any problem. It postpones death, but it doesn't solve the problem. It's not supposed to solve it. It's a sign. It just proves that this crazy story about Jesus is the truth. And God is not doing miracles for the sake of miracles. And you'll see in the ministry of Jesus actually a hesitation to become a miracle sideshow. He wanted the miracles to prove he was the son of God, so they'd listen to the teaching and then change their lives. And that's what happens in Ephesus. This miracle season leads to a brokenness in the spirit of the people. And verse 18 says, Many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So now we start having people uh, confessing. They're openly admitting what they have done. They're humbling themselves. They're agreeing with God. They're losing their reputation. And, uh, you know, like maybe they had believed the gospel in a doctrinal way, but now with all this supernatural stuff, they're getting serious about their walk with God. And so they're telling the truth about their sin. They're burning their bridges of sin behind them. And then they, they repent. They do the repentance is an action. They do the actions of repentance. Verse 19 Many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all, and they counted the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's 50,000 years' wages. I mean, it's huge if these are talents. So it's a massive amount of money. What's happening? Public repentance. This uh, move of God has created a fear of God, and now anyone that's been involved in the occult Anybody, because that's what this town was all about. And these people are now repenting. Their hearts are broken before God. They are in public giving glory to God. And the, you know this is what God wants. Verse 20 says, The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Hallelujah. Spiritual war, miracles and signs. Now, confession and public repentance. And that can lead a family, a school, a city, or an entire nation to God. Leaders, you'll never grow beyond your need for God's Holy Spirit. Your ministry will never do the full will of God without this supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So ask, seek, and knock, and these doors will be open to you. Well, that's all for this time. If you want to talk to me, you can just send me a personal email. I am Chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to hear from you how God is bringing supernatural ministry into your life. You know, it's not enough to just preach and teach His Word. It's not just enough to love people. This has to be a ministry that proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and He is more than willing to prove it. So stand with me, and let's work together in our ministry as we stand for the Lord all over the world, you know, this podcast is listened to by people in many different nations, and I'm telling you, your nation needs 
to see signs and wonders. So I'm going to be believing that God is going to bring this to you. And I want to ask you to be praying for me and the others here at Emerge and Media Light Ministry that we'll see the same in our beloved Thailand. Thanks again. See you next time on Tread.